Welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. I am so happy you're here. If you want to create a beautiful home that isn't cookie cutter or a trendy copy of someone else's, you're in the right place. And if you don't want to hurt your wallet or the planet to get one of those dream homes. And you can get started with my brand new quiz called Fix My Room. It's actually more of an assessment tool, but the word quiz, I think, sounds better because it's it's really easy to do. Just answer 20 multiple choice questions and you'll be pinpointing why your room isn't working, why it feels off, and why maybe your previous efforts haven't really panned out. Or maybe you're fairly happy with your room, but you want to make sure that your design choices are going in the right direction. Visit our website at slowstylehome.com and click on the quiz button right at the top. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later in the show. Now, let's dig into this week's episode. Welcome to the Style Matters Podcast, brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, and I'm your host, and I'm so glad you're here, soaking up all of the inspiration and advice from the best creative minds working in interiors today. Creating a home that really works for you, is meaningful, and gives something back to you is no small endeavor. So I want to encourage you to keep at it and have fun with it. And to that end, you might want to check out our free worksheet that's meant for helping you get started or refine and develop your aesthetic if you've been at it for a while. It's called Your Style Manifesto, and you can grab it at littleyellowcouch.com. My guest this week is artist and rug designer Wendy Morrison. I first learned of Wendy's rugs through Sarah Aquasambe, who we interviewed a while ago. Sarah is fearless when it comes to design, and she is always looking to stretch herself beyond whatever's currently trending. And Wendy's rugs certainly do push us to be bold and go for what speaks to us personally. In fact, what I love about this episode and Wendy's rugs is that we really start to understand how a rug is such an important piece of a room that we need to stop thinking of it as an afterthought or as something that we do at the end where we're just trying to match furniture. Wendy's rugs are so bold and they really tell a story and so they they sort of become much more integrated into the the design process from the beginning. So Wendy is going to share with us how she got started with rugs having no idea that they would change the direction of her life. She also explains a little bit about how rugs are made, and then we wrap up with Wendy taking us through the symbolism that she uses in her designs that give her rugs rich and layered narratives. This episode in particular really needs to be seen as well as heard so that you can fully understand the impact that her rugs can have on a space, so I highly encourage you to check out the photos on the show notes page of this episode. Just go to the podcast section on the website, littleyellowcouch.com. So let's get started. So Wendy, I first found out about you through Sarah Aquasambe, who we interviewed a little while ago. She loves your rugs, and I'm so glad that she does, because 
we love them now too. So yeah, I felt her style was quite different. She she played with them differently than what I would, but which was really good to see actually because mm. she's quite, she's quite fresh, but she's quite Art Deco too. So yeah, so I mixed it up a little bit. Now tell us a little bit about your backstory. I know you started in the world of fashion before discovering your love for rug design. How did that happen? Yeah, so I studied fashion and um, I quickly sort of immersed myself. I got a job straight after college and I worked pretty hard in the world of fashion and it did very much feel like a privilege to be working in the world of fashion and you worked hard, you worked long hours and I sort of quickly quickly sort of climbed up the prop, the career path, the career ladder, probably. Probably a bit too quickly, and I, I, did, I do feel when I think back that I probably didn't have the wisdom that, you know, I needed at that point. But anyway, um, I was working in London pretty hard, and my husband, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, Gregor, he was keen to move back up to Scotland for work. He'd been doing a PhD and was quite enjoying it so we moved back up to to Scotland but we bought a house which was a total wreck in the middle of but we didn't realize it was a wreck we were just like oh it's lovely you know <laughs> it's charming <laughs> but needed a new roof and everything it just it was a disaster but it was lovely and it had a field and you know I could have my horse and it was just oh. you know, Oh, that's nice. But um, the reality soon kicked in that we had to make some money. And <laughs> there was a way of working again. And I ended up meeting a sort of, um, it was like a woman in business group, just because I didn't know anyone in the area. And I ended up sort of chatting to them. And one of the ladies introduced me to a rug manufacturer, which was just down the road from me and he had this little workshop on a sort of beachside location which was quite lovely you know and he said oh would you think about designing some rugs and I thought well yeah I could give that a try and pretty much I did and I just loved the way you know the yarn and my artwork translated into a rug because the colours were so vibrant and the yarns were great and the texture so I thought oh yeah this is good so it's just happy little accident, really. Wow, yes, I'll say. Well, keeping keeping yourself open, I guess, to you sounded like you were completely open to whatever came up. I think that that's, gosh, we miss so many opportunities if we don't keep ourselves open. So maybe I was subconsciously looking for something else, I don't know. But I was freelancing design sportswear, which, you know, my heart wasn't really in sportswear. <laughs> right, I don't see sportswear in your rug designs. I see kimonos. I come out in a rash when I go into a sportswear show. <laughs> I'm not a sportswear person either, so. It's just my children, but one of my boys in particular, he's sports mad. And I think, where did that come from? Right, I, I have two boys too, and they both wear, you know, athletic clothes all the time. And it's so interesting to be with boys and I, I don't have you know I didn't grow up with with boys so I don't I really didn't know anything about them <laughs> it's me exactly the same I had a sister and I've got boys even the dog's a boy <laughs> <laughs> you are outnumbered <laughs> so back to the fashion um background does does it seep into your rug designs do you think oh yeah I mean definitely because I do love clothes, you know, especially sort of, well, I love 
colour, I love pattern, I love, you know, texture and, you know, I just, you know, we, we like clothes and quite often I find myself wearing the same clothes or same colours as what I'm working on rug-wise. Ah. So it's definitely an influence. And I feel now that I'm older and, you know, I'm, I've probably, you know, got a bit of wisdom behind me. I, I do, you know, appreciate nice clothes and nice fabrics and I'm I'm willing to hunt for them, you know. Yes, right. It's not always about just getting the cheapest thing. It's we can afford to be a little bit more patient when you know you've established yourself. Yeah, you know, you can you can wait. So other than clothing, what inspires and influences you when you're about to create a new design? I, I'm wondering if you could kind of take us through your creative process because your designs are really unlike any other rugs I've ever seen. Well, thank you. But um, Yeah, I think it's because maybe I came from a, you know, a fashion background rather than a weaving background. And that's, you know, I just saw so much flexibility in how you could create a rug. Um, because it's tough. My rugs initially started with the tough thing process. It was quite different from, from weaving. And it's a blank canvas where you, you basically project your artwork onto this canvas and then you, you fill it with the colour of the mm. yarn. Mm. So it's not warp and weft like knotting so it is quite different it gives you a whole load of freedom so I was never restricted to that you know the warp and the weft is the geometry and the tapestry of it as such so I could kind of go anywhere hmm. and I probably that's where that that comes from that's sort of how it looks different from anything else but um in terms of the creative process I guess it's my influences are you know what kind of what's well I guess nature and Chinese symbolism is quite big mythology you know natural history um you know I just love all that stuff plants birds animals do they come do you get inspired by things like being outside or do you get inspired by seeing artwork of of the natural world or both yeah I think I mean I do like being outside I love being outside but I also need that sort of cultural stimulation, you know. If I'm, I love going to museums, I love going to art galleries, I love, you know, I do love all that. So I guess I, I do need both. Perhaps Scottish nature's not quite ex- exotic, and exotic enough for me. I think exotic is a great word. It, it's when we don't use very much anymore in design. Um, I think it lost its meaning for a while, but I, I think exotic is a great way to describe what you do. Tell us a little bit about the story behind one of your rugs, the Chinese Garden of Virtue rug or any anyone that you'd like to tell the story behind. Yeah, well, Chinese Garden of Virtue just came from me finding, discovering that Chinese have a flower that symbolizes, you know, a virtuous quality in, in humans. And I thought, well, you know, that's lovely. So that's where that came from, pretty much. But I did keep it quite, sort of timid in terms of colour because I am very aware that people aren't brave enough when it comes to colour but the gold is exotic again and the silver and I thought well that's perfect you know we've got little highlights of soft pinks and teals so surely people will love this one and I think you know they have but since being in New York and uh, I exhibited at the ICFF this year and I realised that you know everything was so 
you know, lacked colour. It was all, everything was so, you know, neutral and safe. I thought, oh, you know what the heck? I'll just um, <laughs> do something pink and red. I think we all need a little push, you know, to to go ahead and be more bold. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people tend to put the rug in last or toward the end of when they're let's say redoing a room and then it becomes all about oh I've got to find a rug that matches my furniture because they're doing it last and then it feels a little bit like a showroom and less like a living room and I feel like if you maybe start with the rug because the rug itself first of all no more small rugs, right? Let's get let's get rid of the tiny rugs. We need we everybody could use a bigger rug, and they themselves can be sort of the boss of the room, uh, the, the the statement making piece of the room, um, and especially your rugs. They are they are truly works of art. They are very bold, although you definitely have others that where, for example, the um, the design elements are more in the corners, so you have a big field of one color, so it's not across the entire rug, mm-hmm. um, which I suppose is, is good if, if maybe somebody isn't wanting something quite so bold. I know. I, I, you know, I am aware of that, and I quite often sort of hold myself back, you know, because I think, you know, that's just too much for people. But then I try and use neutral bases and, and create highlights of colour through there and sort of highlight it with a, a neutral as well, like gold, which keeps it, you know, nice and rich. Right, right. Well, the gold and, and the silver are pretty incredible. They give it a just this extra layer that is very unexpected in a rug, I think. Yeah, and it's in viscose as well, so it shimmers. Mm, yes, yes. So speaking, let's continue a little bit more with this, the process that you go through when you're deciding what the next rug is going to be like. You you also create bespoke rub, rugs for clients, um, you know, something that that is going to be one of a kind just for them. And yeah. I, I was wondering what that process is like, either working with an interior designer or directly with the client you know, it's it's your creativity, but how do you how do you kind of manage somebody else's expectations and what they want? I know. I think quite often working with interior designers, it's good because they have, you know, they're they're quite clear in what they're after. Okay. But obviously, they respect, you know, my, you know, experience and knowledge in terms of what works on the floor as well. So we sort of discuss texture, color, design. But then I've had an, another client, like a hotel client, who's just said, oh, you know, I want something really wild and leave it up to me, you know, and that's great as well. Just sort of work with their colours and they give me ideas of their influences and I just come up with a few ideas that way and we we sort of nail it down together. Oh, that must be so much fun, especially if they say, I want it to be wild. That is great. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you imagine your rugs working in someone's home? And and also, what's your hope for the life of the rug once it's left your hands? Yeah, I think it's. I think now it's it's good to have something in your home that makes you smile. Whether you know, it takes time to create a home as well and find all the things that you love, and you know, so it's not going to be instant. It's time to evolve. So I want to back up a little bit to something you were talking about 
earlier, which is you were you were saying that when you were working, especially in the beginning, you were starting with tufted rugs, and so therefore you could put your design, I think you said, anywhere you wanted to on the rug. I'm a novice at understanding how rugs are made, so could you try to explain the difference between a tufted rug and the hand-knotted rugs or the woven rugs? Yeah, so the, the hand-tufted is like a blank canvas, and the gun is like a pen almost, and the gun tufts, well, it's like painting with numbers in a sense, you just sort of fill the colours with where you want and you can draw your outlines. It's not an easy process. I'm making it sound quite easy, but it's not. They're very um, good at what they do, the tufters that, that make my rugs. The knotting process is based on the warp and the weft. So you've got your your yarns coming down the loom and you, you are knotting into the to the weft. I understand. Is that well one's horizontal and one's vertical, right? Right, yeah. They individually knot these knots and to create the design. So it is it's very much more of on a grid. It's like a tapestry more and it's and it's all the way through this was from the, the design is on the front and the back, whilst the tufting, um you, you gun tuft it but the, the yarn's cut and then you are you latex the back to secure the back yarn, then you put a a backing so it's much more rigid and it's very dense so compared to the knotty that's actually you can see it on both sides it's it's, it's got a drape it's absolutely gorgeous the hand knotty and it takes a whole lot longer to make this we're talking like maybe four to five months depending for one rug for one rug well wow. it's tough i can make in six to eight weeks well wow that's still long though so and you do both I do both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what do you have a how do you decide which style you want? Is it based on the design mm-hmm. or the feel that you're looking for? When I discovered this hand tufting process, I was thinking, "Oh my word, you know this is incredible. You know there's so much flexibility and it doesn't take that long in the scheme of things, you know, 6 to 8 weeks is pretty quick to make a rug. Tufting is very much been about, you know, creating an affordable rug. And I think it's it's obviously nice to be able to have something lovely on your floor as well. <laughs> right. Take us through one of the rugs. I, I, I want to hear, dive a little bit deeper into some of the symbolism. What's one of your favorite rugs and the symbols behind the design? Well, I guess um, Good Fortune's a good one because okay. that has all the symbols of Good fortune, you know. You've got your mountains, your pine trees. Is there a pe- is it? There's a peacock in there. There's a peacock. Yeah. There's um, cranes. And um, are those phoenix too that that are flying? Yeah, that's right. There's a phoenix as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've got everything in that. Well, one, this is a it? good one to talk about because it is so rich in in its colors, but also in the layers of story. So, what are what do some of those things symbolize? So, like the the pine trees are, you know, endurance and resilience. So they they will last all all year. They they're evergreens and they last all year, and you know they will endure winter and good or bad times as well as good times. The, the phoenix is the sort of most powerful symbol of them all, the most powerful of birds in Chinese mythology. So he's rather special in that sense and powerful. The cranes are sort of long, happy life. And in flight as well, they're even more prosperity, symbolise prosperity. 
Uh, when they're in flight, it, it's yeah. okay. Oh, and there's a dragon in the background. Yes, and the dragon, it's like an outline of a dragon. So you've got some of the, the birds are sort of filled in, and then there are these outlines of dragons. So it, it's just such a rich design. What do the dragons symbolize? The dragon, I guess, is another Chinese symbol, the most powerful of all animals, along with the, the phoenix. And I'm looking at another rug called, which I just adore these colors too, peacock palms. Oh, yeah. It's just gorgeous. What does the peacock symbolize? And is that a different culture? No, no, that's again, and well, Chinese again, but it's um, noble, you know, the most noble, beautiful, mm. you know. It's just all just lovely, the Chinese mythology. So, I mean, it just lends itself to be, you know, making pictorial rugs. <laughs> well, Wendy, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for asking. That was lovely to think about it all. Okay, so now it's time for me to update you on the One Room Challenge and my collaboration with Jonathan Lewis. As I've already said, my motivation for doing the One Room Challenge this fall came from my strong desire to get rid of the horrible sofa we have in our den. And when I started talking with the lovely folks at Jonathan Lewis, I realized that they were the perfect people to help me. With so many different designs and hundreds of fabrics to choose from, I knew that my perfect sofa will come out of their factory, custom made to order just for my family. On the One Room Challenge last week, my husband and I, well, mostly my husband, were doing some demolition and some construction. We were getting rid of one of the doors that led into the room and building out the wall to better enclose the space. And that is where our new Jonathan Lewis sofa will go. You can see this process on my blog at littleyellowcouch.com. But in the meantime, I also want to tell you that we are choosing which sofa we'd like to have and what fabric will best work for our color palette and our lifestyle. So I thought it would be fun to have you guys chime in on what color and fabric you choose. So look for a poll on my Instagram stories later this week. And toward the end of the week, you'll see what I've chosen. One of the things that I love about Jonathan Lewis Furniture is their performance fabric line called Just Live. This curated collection features durable and stain resistant fabrics that don't look like they're made only for people who have toddlers. In fact, these fabrics are really beautiful. So again, check out the blog post where I share the fabric swatches I'm choosing from, as well as the different designs we're mulling over. And for more inspiration, follow Jonathan Lewis on Instagram at JLFurniture. Thanks so much for listening. If you love interiors as much as I do and are looking for a way to refresh your home, you can start by downloading my free worksheet on developing your own style manifesto. It's fun, it doesn't take very long, and it's a great way to lay the foundation for all of your design decisions. Just go to www.littleyellowcouch.com and click on Your Style Manifesto. That's www.littleyellowcouch.com. And if you're enjoying Style Matters podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you could leave us a review on iTunes. The reviews really do help keep this podcast going. Take care, and I'll be back in your earbuds next week with another interview. Thank you.
thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.